Hello everyone, my name is Jonathan Johnson, and this is Quarks and Quirks, where the truth is real. Are we alone? It's a question that's haunted our collective imaginations, and not just when we're feeling like maybe we could use a friend. It's something that we ponder a lot as a species. Are there other beings out there? Do they look like us? Have they visited? What if I told you that there's evidence that they have, and that the American government is keeping it from us? Now, look, I, I know what you're thinking. Oh boy, here comes another crazy American that has distrust of his government beamed into his brain by Fox News. Listen, I I'm Canadian. I never got that indoctrination. I actually think that the government isn't always evil. However, I do think that they keep secrets. Especially the American government, because, you know, if people knew the truth, then they wouldn't vote for you now, would they? Anyway, there's tons of evidence of a cover-up if you're willing to look. Let's start with a classic case. The Battle of Los Angeles. Picture this, it's 1942, and Pearl Harbor has just been attacked by the Japanese. The United States is at war with a powerful, scary-looking new enemy, and you don't know what to think. You're just some guy manning the anti-air defenses in Los Angeles. You don't know anything. It's night, and you hear that a town down the coast was bombarded by the enemy, so you're jumping. Suddenly, you see a large metal object floating in the sky. You freak out, so you shoot your weapon at it. You hit it, but nothing happens. Other weapon teams, hearing you shoot, start shooting as well. Soon, the entire battery is firing. The thing is still in the sky. After an hour of bombardment, the object disappears. At the time, the US government claimed that the object had been a false alarm. They claimed that it was just some spooked anti-aircraft operators shooting at the sky. Later, they said it was just a stray weather balloon. They said this was confirmed the government of Japan, then occupied by the Americans, said in a statement that they had never flown anything above the U.S. mainland. However, can we really believe that story? If it were true that it was just a stray weather balloon, then why would the coastal anti-aircraft guns have kept firing for more than an hour? Wouldn't the people in charge have told them to stop? We have to remember that at the time, the United States was not the military superpower that it is today. At the onset of World War II, the USA had a smaller army than Belgium did. Factories that produced military hardware had not been set up yet. Because of this, ammunition was in relatively short supply. Are we therefore to believe that the commanders of the anti-aircraft defenses in Los Angeles would have just let their people fire valuable munitions into the sky for a full hour and a half? Think of the cost! Think of the waste! No, no, if they had let them fire for that long, they must have known that there was something to fire at. And what kind of weather balloon do you know can stand up to 90 minutes of anti-aircraft fire? What seems more likely is that this was an alien spaceship. Incredible, right? Why would the U.S. try and cover this up? Well, we gotta remember that the U.S. had just entered into World War II. We also have to remember that before the attack on Pearl Harbor, the U.S. population was not keen on entering the war. Uh, the U.S. government must have known that if people were scared of aliens arriving in their cities, they would never want to get on a ship to fight a war across the ocean. So, they covered it up. 
They printed a false story about a stray weather balloon and the distraction of the largest war in history to make everyone forget. Even though they got the American people to forget, the U.S. government didn't forget. Ever since then, they've been studying alien contact and keeping it hidden. Why wouldn't they tell us, you ask? Hasn't World War II been over for a long time? Well, it's not like the U.S. stopped having an enemy after the end of World War II. Remember, almost as soon as the Germans, Japanese, Italians, and other Axis powers were defeated, another enemy rose to replace them. As fascism fell, communism rose, and the USA decided to stay ready for war. Can't have your citizens scared of aliens when the Soviets could launch defensive at any minute, can you? So, the US kept its secrets. Ever heard of a place called Area 51? It's essentially a meme these days, uh, and I'm sure that you, dear listener, just rolled your eyes when you heard me say it. However, there is more to this strange facility than a lot of people realize. You would think, with all the speculation that swirls around it, that the U.S. government would just open it and let people in. End the theories. End the speculation. Just let people see. But they haven't. And they probably never will. In fact, evidence suggests that the memification of Area 51 was a deliberate tactic. It's classic misdirection. Make something seem so ridiculous that people think it's not worth investigating. That's actually a common tactic that the powers that be use make up some so-called conspiracy theories that are so ridiculous that all conspiracy theories look ridiculous just by associating themselves with them. For example, how can it be possible that there's a group of Satan worshippers descended from some medieval anti-Catholic group called the Illuminati that controls the world? If they did control the world, would they really let a bunch of musicians like Beyonce and Jay-Z in and then let them constantly drop hints that they're part of the group? Doesn't that break the secrecy? The whole concept is ridiculous. I mean, the real Illuminati were, like I said, a secret society of medieval intellectuals who got accused of heresy by the Pope of the time, were arrested, and then they disappeared into the annals of history. The concept of them as a world-controlling society became popular when Dan Brown wrote the best-selling novel, The Da Vinci Code, which has them cast as the villains. Uh, the conspiracy is so obviously fake that the only reason it could have become popular was because the government was promoting it as a, you know, as a conspiracy. That way, when people start to question them about their work with aliens, they can dismissively go, and I bet you believe in the Illuminati too. And you know, the funny thing is, a good amount of us true believers will discredit ourselves by saying that we actually do believe in the Illuminati, right? So it works perfectly. So anyway, aliens. Let's talk about the most recent discovery, that monolith that popped up in the American state of Utah. You, you saw, saw it on the news, right? If you didn't, let me give you a rundown. Several weeks ago, a tall metal object was seen just sort of hanging out in the Utah desert. No one knew what it was, and no one came forward and said that they had put it there. Instead, what happened was that when people started to pay attention to it, it just vanished. Now, I know what you're thinking. That sounds suspiciously like 2001 A Space Odyssey. This has got to be some sort of prank or a tribute to the movie. That's actually the story that the, that the powers that be spun, by the way. They eventually said that it was some local artist. However, if you look into it, you'll find out that that local artist actually put up his version of the monolith two years ago. 
what explains the monolith popping up this month? Yeah, I'm just asking questions here, you know? I, I don't know the answer, but I, I, I just think that it's suspicious. You also have to remember their tactics of misdirection. If the government made up the story of the Illuminati to throw people off their trail, then who's to say they didn't commission the creation of a 2001 Space Odyssey to make people who found monoliths look ridiculous? A monolith, eh? Been watching a Space Odyssey? Also, isn't it weird that the monolith scene in Space Odyssey has basically nothing to do with the rest of the movie? I don't know, I think it seems suspicious. Furthermore, who's to say that this is the first time a monolith like this has popped up? If the government knew about the monoliths to make a movie about them, then maybe this isn't the first time. Maybe this is just the first time they didn't cover it up fast enough. Like I said, I'm just asking questions and telling you a little history here. You know, do your own research, people, because they're banking on the fact that nobody does. And we don't follow expectations, do we? Stay curious, my friends. Never let that thirst for knowledge die. Anyway, that's all from me, folks. I will see you next time on Quarks and Quarks, where the truth is real. Oh I, oh, I almost forgot. You can buy some merch for the low price of $58.99. You can be a proud owner of our brand new tinfoil hats, right? Don't let the aliens read your mind. Instead, take advantage of this great find. Anyway, I will see you later, everyone. Stay curious. Hey, uh, I'm Simon Pop. Uh, not Jonathan Johnson, the conspiracy theory talk show host, uh, but Simon, the university student. Um, what you just listened to is an example of the kind of things that get uploaded to the internet every day in huge numbers. In fact, I've actually uploaded this podcast to the internet um, just to show how easy it is to do. The only thing I had to do was write a script, read it to a recording device, take an hour or two to edit and add sounds, uh, push the upload button, and boom. There's a whole bunch of new information up online, free for anyone to see. On one hand, this emergent form of communication, it, it, it's amazing. Right? There's never been a time in history where I had the ability for me to upload a longish recording of my voice to the internet and for everyone in the world to have the possibility to listen to it. Right? This has led to the democratization of information. You know, it's no longer true the information about the world is locked away, uh, available only for a couple of elite folks. Right? It's also a lot harder for people to hide information. Right? If something you don't want is put on the internet, your only hope is that nobody clicks on it, uh, that I get, and that I guess like lost in the vast sea of information that's available to us. There is a bit of a downside to this, though, which is that there isn't really much of a peer review system for all this information, right? So it's true that a lot of the traditional means of spreading information, like your academic journals and your newspapers, you know, they have transitioned online. But you know, a lot of them are still locked behind paywalls, or they need to be part of an institution. Furthermore, a lot of the stuff, particularly the academic journals, are not the kind of thing that just pops up on Facebook feeds, right? So this is so specialized information created by experts. That's still mostly reserved for experts or the people who can pay to have access to the information, right? So what gets shared? What goes viral? Well, it's mostly the kind of stuff you just listen to, right? 
Uh, a lot of it is still very good, and very factual. News sources like the CBC and the New York Times, they have podcasts and they have active Facebook pages. A big chunk of the information, though, is not, you know, accurate or, or reviewed. Right? So take a look at what you just listened to. There are truths in there, right? The Los Angeles anti-aircraft guns did, in fact, shoot at the sky for over an hour, for example, right? It's just enough real information to seem legitimate to someone who doesn't know the topic very well. However, the conclusions I jumped to, they're not based in reality, and I omitted a whole bunch of other facts in order for the information to fit my narrative. I'm also in no way an expert on the inner workings of the U.S. government, nor do I know anything about the potential of alien contact. None of that stops me from uploading this podcast, though. Another thing that's worth mentioning is how internet content like this gets put in front of people's eyes. Uh, like I said, there's an unimaginably large amount of content out there, and platforms like Google and Facebook needed to find a way for people to see the content that they wanted to see. They couldn't have people do it, right, because the sheer numbers involved with internet content makes that a little bit unrealistic. So, the solution that was found was algorithms. As you know, computer programs that automatically curate the online content based on your past behavior. So, if you were to like a few sports-related posts on Facebook, then pretty soon the vast majority of the content that you'll be seeing will be sports-related. This works politically as well, but let's analyze my social media, for example, right? My social media feeds are extremely leftist, extremely progressive, because that's what I identify as politically, and it's the content that I follow online. It would not be surprising to learn that a lot of the political stances that I take originated as a post on Facebook or Reddit, or that my stances have actually gotten a little bit more extreme. But why would they get more extreme? Well, because social media is only putting leftist content in front of my eyes, so therefore I don't see other perspectives as much. Uh, and furthermore, more extreme content is being tagged as something that I might be interested in by those algorithms that I mentioned. This is an emergent phenomenon called rabbit holes. What that is, is you click on one piece of content, which results in a similar piece of content being recommended to you, which leads to another similar, but possibly more extreme piece of content. So if you were to look at a video about rocket ships, there's a chance that the algorithm will pick up that you're interested in space, which might lead you to getting something about aliens put in front of you, which could eventually lead to you stumbling on this podcast. If the podcast is convincing enough, and if I didn't include this end bit where it's just me talking to you candidly, um, then I very well could convince someone that there's a conspiracy to hide alien contacts and that one of the tactics is to create conspiracy theories that are ridiculous in order to discredit the ones that are true. In fact, because the podcast is free and publicly available, there's actually a pretty good chance that more people will listen to it than the people who read an academic journal on a similar subject, right? This is helped by the fact that this podcast might be helped by the algorithms of social media uh, by, you know, by pushing it on people. Whereas an academic journal, it has to actually be looked for. Another thing worth mentioning is that on Facebook, real news and fake news doesn't actually look any different, right? It's all formatted the same way, same font, same color scheme, same format of a headline and a picture. This makes it even harder to distinguish between the legitimate sources and the, the less trustworthy ones. So what is the result of all this been? Well, I mean, the result isn't too hard to see if you look at certain Facebook feeds. Right? The amount of people who believe straight up falsehoods 
is increasing exponentially, enough that they have started to have an effect on public policy. There's a scarily high amount of people who have stated that they will not take the COVID-19 vaccine because they think it's a secret way for Bill Gates to take over the world, for example. Right, so stuff like my alien conspiracy theory is kind of relatively harmless because I don't think anyone's going to do anything drastic. Right, there's no we need to stop the aliens groups out there really to cause harm. However, other stuff online is quite dangerous, right? It's not uncommon to see things like the anti-Semitic theory that George Soros, a billionaire supporter of various progressive causes, is a literal demon worshiper, or that the Jews are trying to replace white folks in North America with Muslims and Latin Americans. That's called the Great Replacement. Uh, this stuff is blatantly false, but it has inspired people to commit some horrific acts of violence. A lot of the mass shootings that we've seen recently were done by folks inspired by these conspiracy theories. So what can we do? Look, where are the better futures in all of this? Uh, I think it's worth pointing this dynamic out so that we can counter it. Right? This podcast is a way to showcase what I think people are starting to realize, which is we have lost the old curators of information, right? the people used to try and make sure information we consume was true, at least from a certain perspective. Right. So knowing that this is something that we've lost is important. It's an important first step when we're trying to come up with a replacement. Right. Which is something that we have to do for society's sake. So there you go. That's my argument. Uh, I hope you enjoyed listening to this um, and I hope uh, I hope you have a really good day.